countdown in a second. There it goes. Yep, I see it. Hi, this is Ivanya Easley, and this is The Closet Chronicles. I'm the founder and CEO of Love E Fashion and Style by Love E. This podcast is all about delving a little deeper into the fashion industry, talking with other fashion professionals as they share their story, their journey, and of course, drop gems for you to be able to start and grow and scale your business. So today we welcome Alex. Um, And is your title Director of SCAD, or what is the exact title at SCAD? The exact title is Executive Director of SCAD Fash museums, and Atlanta exhibitions. Yes, I love it. So Alice is going to tell us all about how she got her start, how she fell in love with fashion and worked her way up to the point of being executive director of SCAD Fashion, which is, of course, a major fashion school in the United States, not just in the United States, in the world. I've had a few um, mentees and students that have went to SCAD um, in Paris, Savannah, Japan, and here. So welcome. Thank you for taking the time. And let's just get started. So, of course, tell us, how did you fall in love with fashion and get to this point where you're adding your career? Absolutely. And thank you for having me. It's it's always fun to, like, think back and um, take a minute. Right. And talk about these things. So my love of fashion, I always give credit to my dad who... Um, he loved fashion. Mine too. Really? (laughs) Yes. I got it from him. And people think, oh, you must have got it from your mom. And I remember one time my mom was like, I don't know how you and your dad do this. Y'all can just look at stuff and put it together and pick out colors. And I think, um, I think he was maybe the first influence. And then when I was in, um, high school, my mom at the time, I was tall for my age, right? So I'm I'm about five eight, so I probably was that height. And she wanted she didn't want me to slouch my shoulders. That was her whole thing. She didn't want me to slouch, and so she put me into um, modeling school, which I guess was the equivalent of what finishing school would have been when she was younger. Yes, uh, right. So she put me she put me in modeling school, and I think her goal was just for me to have good posture. And I fell in love with it. We had classes twice a week during the week we would meet on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays and the woman who ran this school she actually had gone to Botter College in Atlanta okay and um and then started the school in Baltimore where I'm from and so she had also modeled when she was uh younger and on Wednesdays during the week we would have a class on fashion history on the history of costume yes and she had all these worksheets and she would teach us everything she would teach us about um, different terminology that was relevant in fashion and what a peplum was and a dirndl and, you know, all of these things. And mm-hmm. then on the weekends, we would come on Saturdays and on Saturdays is when we would learn how to walk. Yes. And um, that group of people, like that community just became my tribe um, before we were saying tribe. Um, but those were my people all through high school. And I just fell in love with it. I It was the highlight of everything to go. um and, and be in these classes and do these fashion shows. And we would practice on the weekends and then we would do fashion shows whenever she could get shows, uh, book us on shows around town between Baltimore and DC. And um, yeah, after that, I was like, this is it for me. Like, I I love this. I love every, every aspect of it. And it's funny because in that class and in that school, we, this was before stylists and, you know, makeup artists were celebrities. And so yes. models had to be able to do everything. You had to be able to show up at a show, do your own makeup, do your own hair. I saw that from watching America's Next Top Model. Tyra used to tell them that same thing. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And you would, you know, you would have to switch your hair to match a look. So you, so as a model, you also had to have um, a, a, a some pre- sense of style. You have to had to have some sense of style so that you could do those things in between. Um, and so I learned all that in in high school and was like, this is this is what I want to do. I love it. I love it. Okay, so fast forward. Once you realized in high school you wanted to do, where, where did you go to school and how did you start the progression to where you are now? So that is a funny winding story. I wanted to go to fashion school. FIT was on my list. We went, we visited. I also applied to Drexel in Philly. Funny enough, they had a fashion merchandising program. But really, my plan was to get to New York and model. I was like, my mother was like, you have to go to college. So I was like, well, if I can just get to New York and I can go do whatever I want to do. Yes. Um, But she was hip to that. And she was like, no, you need to go to business school. So I actually went to North Carolina A&T, which was, yeah, yes, I'm Aggie, um, which turned out to be a great choice, right, Ivanya, because what I found in my career is having that business background really does. My mother was right. Totally was, agree. <laughs> right. It really, I have a master's in finance. So I was an accountant before I got into this. And I know when I first started, I always felt like, oh, my God, I didn't go to fashion school. You know, I don't have that fashion degree pedigree behind me. But starting a business is, has nothing to do with the craft itself. You have to know how to run a business. So I was so happy that I had the business skills when I started this creative business because it really helped me be able able to build a business and you know stay in business (laughs) absolutely no it's absolutely true i did the same thing i went to school for finance i came out i was an accountant for years or did accounting work accounting all this kind of stuff and and you're right it's it's interesting that what you say about a business not having to be about the product necessarily because you see a lot of very successful entrepreneurs who have business skills they just pick a product it's like the product doesn't matter if they can find a trend or something that will um, be lucrative, they'll, they'll just apply those business skills to whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it was, it was a, a fortunate choice that I went to A&T and then I got this degree in finance. And like I said, I came out, I went into banking by this time. It was funny. Cause my dad, when I was in college, I was still upset about the modeling thing. And he's like, look, go to school. When you come out, then you can model, you can do whatever you want. He actually yes. was wrong. Um, because when I, by the time I came out, I was like 20, 21. And, you know, at that point, as far as modeling is concerned, you're kind of done. Yeah. You know, they really want you for, for what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to go to Paris and go to Europe. And they really want you to be kind of in the mix around 16 15 yeah. years old. So um, that was not an option. And so um, went into banking. And the short story is there's a longer version, but the short story is. I was working in um, accounting in a a retail design company here in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and I just, I hated the work. I I Mm -hmm. didn't enjoy it. And what I realized was if I did not enjoy my work, I was not going to be able to be successful, right? I I really had and have a desire to be good at what I do. And and so I said, if, if I don't find my thing, I'm going to be mediocre at whatever yeah. else. I can do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can I can add, I can subtract, I can write. So I can yeah. do any job. But to really have a job that I'm talented at, that I feel excited about, I had to figure out what, what that was for me. And so just doing some research, I landed on 
PR, which I didn't know was a job. Um, <laughs> turned out A&T had it as a major, but I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know anything about communications and just started researching. And, um, you know, because I had great writing skills and because I had the business background, I really understood the bottom line mission of any yes. business activity, right? And so at the time that I started, a lot of people were in PR and really focused on throwing great parties and events. Um, but my distinct advantage was that I understood that any PR activity had to be rooted in the goal of selling products or, um, you know, selling a message or an idea and starting from there and then backing into, you know, yes. how to execute. And so I just had a mind for it. Um, yes. And I enjoyed it. Right. I, I really do enjoy the idea of, you know, examining human behavior. What makes someone walk into a store and go to the left or the right? You yeah. know, what makes someone pick one product over and uh, over another? Um, kind of what ideas and, and levers do you have to pull on a, a, a person and their emotions and their background to motivate them to one activity or another? And so. I actually started volunteering my PR services to different arts organizations. Okay. And that's how I made the transition from accounting into art. Yes. And um, my first job was at a an art gallery here. I was um, director of marketing and sales, um, less sales, more marketing. Yes. Because <laughs> sales is also a particular skill. That, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a whole nother thing in itself. It's a whole nother thing. And so when I when I started working at the art gallery, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the blend of everything that stimulates me, right? It's yes. very aesthetic in the yes. way that fashion is. It's very uh, much about, you know, how you respond to what you're seeing visually, yeah. but also it's very intellectual. And yes. so it's about ideas and technique and, you know, all these kinds of things that you're learning history and culture. And so I was like, this is, this is me. This is like yeah. the perfect mix of my right and left brain. Yes. You know, and I started going down that path. And at some point I got back into fashion. I was working in PR at Bloomingdale's and um, I decided that I wanted to go back to school. I really wanted to own this space of yes. understanding uh, luxury consumers Mm -hmm. because luxury consumers are the target audience for both fashion, high fashion, yes. as well as art. Yes. And so I agree. I, I just started collecting art as an investment in the last like two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they go hand and in learning hand. about art and like why to buy this artist and that and all the things. Absolutely. You know, and that's why a lot of times you see um, partnerships and, and brand collaborations and marketing programs where you have, um, art and you, you have luxury brands that support or engage with art programs or art museums because it's the same consumer, it's the same yes. kind of headset. And so I wanted to um, become an expert in that and really dig deeply into that. So I, just, I enrolled in SCAD for a master's in luxury fashion management and then um, finished that program. It's about a two-year program. Uh, it was really great. I did it here at the Atlanta campus. Mm -hmm. And then kind of went from there, worked from worked in an agency. I went to work um, for the High Museum. And then after I was at the High Museum. Yes, that's when we met, when you yeah. were at the High still. Mm -hmm. When I was at the High. And I was there for about four years as manager of marketing. And then um, Scott called and said, hey, we need an executive director for our. It was like a full circle. 
very much. It, the, the, there's a lot more to that story. That's a 20 year story. That's yes. been 20 years from graduating college, saying I'm in a job that I hate. How do I find my way out to yeah. being where I am now? I love it. I love it. What do you think is a common myth about the fashion industry or even being in this industry as a professional? That is glamorous. Yes. People I think, think that's glamorous. the number one. Okay. Yeah. There are glamorous moments. Moments. Yes. <laughs> you know, and there are moments that you're working, working, working to get to. And those moments are glamorous and they are a lot of fun. But, I, you know, I just told one of my teammates um, last week, I said, I love my work and I like to have a lot of fun doing my work, but there are things yeah. that I have to get done. Yes. Right. And so I have to do those hard things. I have to come in and, you know, as, as um, executive director of SCAD and, you know, figure out, you know, do we have enough coverage of the, the, the team and our docents? Are people showing up on time? Yeah. Um, what's the exhibition schedule for the next three years? Who do we have to contact? Where, you know, how's our shipping working and are we getting all the information? I mean, it's, it's a lot, a lot of logistics and stuff behind the scenes. A lot of logistics. Beyond that one image that you might see um, on Instagram. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot of work. And then you get to the event. And honestly, it is fun. You know, yes. like, it's funny. I think it's Drake who talks about, like, it is what it looks like. Like, <laughs> you know, like, there there are these moments where, yes, yes. It, the way it looks, it looks fun. And it is fun. But there's a lot of work that happens. Work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that about fashion shows. Because, you know, I produce fashion shows as well as a wardrobe size. And and it's like we do all this work for that few minutes on the runway and it's beautiful and everybody's clapping but it's so much that goes on behind the scenes of the fitting the steaming the models the mm -hmm. logistics and all the people that have to help to make this 15 20 minute moment right right um what has been the biggest challenge you feel like you've faced to get to this point um i think because my career has been um kind of I've, I've, I've created it. Right. So, you know, working in a creative space of any kind is not like being a doctor or a lawyer, there's a, right. There's a very specific path to get there, right. You go to school and then you do a residency and then, yes. you, you know, and there's, there's top schools to go to. And you, yes. it's a very formulaic type of thing, you know, similar for other professions for this profession, you're piecing it together as you go. Yes. You're trying to figure out, what skill sets do I have that I need to get more of? Yes. Um, you know, what opportunities exist? Sometimes you're limited by geography. I mean, living in Atlanta, there's not, there's a limited number of opportunities in both fashion and art. Yes. Um, so I've been not in New York or Paris or Italy or anything like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think figuring out how to keep moving forward yeah. and trusting that I'm moving in the right direction, yes. you know, um, I went from, you know, doing accounting and finance to working at an art gallery to working for the Office of Cultural Affairs, the mayor's office, to work yes. at Bloomingdale's. You know, if I wrote that down for someone, they would be like, "What does this, what does one have to do with the other?" Yes. But for me, I knew what what portfolio of skills and portfolio of experiences that I was trying to build for myself. I yes. wasn't sure where it was going to go. I yes. I didn't even know I've been in this role for almost six months. So seven months ago, yeah, I didn't know this opportunity really existed. It wasn't on my radar. So I haven't been working towards being an ED of a fashion museum at a university, right? Yes. Um, but I have been working towards building this skill set that I wanted to, um, I wanted to work in a field yes. that I wanted to work in the types of things that I wanted to do every day. And then, you know, like Oprah says, the universe conspired and this opportunity yes. happened. 
I love that. And I totally agree because I feel like everything we've done kind of leads up to where we are in life or where we're trying to go. Because I remember when I was getting my master's degree, I worked part-time at a first salon because I needed to make extra money while I was getting my master's because I wasn't working full-time. And it's like those skills came in handy later as I helped clients yeah. shop for a variety of different things. So it's almost like all these different skills we've accumulated from all type of jobs that we had that might not have been, oh, this is the job that's going to lead me to my dream, whatever. It still gave us skill sets to be able to apply when we got to where we want to be. I, th I think it's really important to think about um, more so than the job that you're looking for to think about who do I want to be? What skills yeah. do I want to have? What types of work do I want people to call me for? Because here's the thing, this museum is seven years old, right? And so I've been on this journey for about 20 years. Yeah. So 10 years ago, when I was building my skills, this yeah. job didn't exist. Yes. I couldn't even have wanted, I could. this couldn't have been in my line of sight because yeah. the museum wasn't here. So, yeah. so it's about for me, focusing on what what skills do I want to have? What expertise am I yeah. trying to build a competency in so that when that opportunity comes along, I'm prepared for it because it yeah. may not exist in the moment that I'm working or that I'm, you know, studying or learning, you know? Yes, I love that. Isn't that a, a quote or a phrase about like hard work meets opportunity or maybe that's a song a lot? <laughs> but the hard work and being prepared and if you stay ready you don't have to get ready and you're ready for whatever presents itself to you yeah i think it's, that it's luck is luck is preparation meets opportunity yes yeah yeah and i think nipsey hustle had a line in a song about that somewhere in that same phrase but anyway mm -hmm. um what is one and what um, do you feel like is one of the most important lessons you've learned um in this journey um i think this is something I tell people all the time. I never get upset when I don't get what I want yeah. because consistently the thing that I got instead was better. Yes. And so I have to remember, I have to remind myself I'm a human being. Um, there have been times where there were jobs that I wanted yeah, um, or people I wanted to work with. And it did not happen. I did yeah. not get the job for whatever reason. Um, Girl, we've all been there and been disappointed pointed and like you said you know what god has for you it might have been that was a no for you to have what was better absolutely Cons i mean consistently it's it's this i'm not even talking about an instagram meme i'm saying yeah. this happened to me where i there was some uh some a job i wanted and i was this like you said completely disappointed yeah but i've learned that when that happens i actually get excited because i'm like oh my gosh if i wanted that thing and yeah. it didn't work out what is the better thing? The better thing is clearly yes, something I can't yeah. imagine. It's clearly something that I'm not thinking about. So yes. I just have to be patient and yes. maintain a good attitude and yes. keep working. And then the thing that shows up is always better. That's that's the way that it happened with this uh, with this opportunity. I couldn't have written a better script. I love it. I love it. And yeah, I totally agree. Um, I have to work on the um, getting excited about what's next because I know in that moment I feel my feels and I'm like, well, you know what? Something else is coming. Something's better and I'm going to keep it pushing. But um, I'm going to look at it from that attitude going forward because that's a good perspective to have. Yeah. And we're human. So when I get disappointed, I'm like, I'm OK to be disappointed. I'm going to be disappointed for a while. It might be a day. It might be a week. Yeah. And then even in that, I'm going to be like, OK, after I get over this, I'm on I'm on the lookout for what what is coming down the pipe because I know it's going to be great. 
Uh, yeah, I'd love that. If you could, and this is uh, more of a funny question of like, if you could do anything else in the world, what other job would it be? And it doesn't even have to be realistic. Like somebody told me they want to be a hip hop artist <laughs> and they're like fantasy world or life. But just if you could have any other career outside of fashion, art, et cetera, what would it be? Or do you even know? <laughs> I can't imagine doing anything outside of fashion and art. I'm just so um, stimulated by it. Yes. I would say if I could do something else, um, I would, <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's what I'm doing, but um, in a different capacity, I, I would want to uh, lead, own and lead a cultural institution. Ah, okay. um, which is kind of—it's it's actually what kind of like what you do a little bit. Though. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a terrible answer. I want to do exactly what I'm doing. Let me think. Let me think of something better. Um, I mean, because I've had everything from I wanted to be an astronaut. Like, just I was like, really? And I was like, yeah. I mean, in a fantasy world, not like in real life. So I was just like, oh, that's curious. Even though I can't barely answer that question myself because mm-hmm. there's not really anything else I would want to do. But I mean, maybe secret hobbies were. Oh, I would own a flower shop in another world or something. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I don't want to do anything with math, like astronauts. That's a lot of calculations that, to me. But I think they just wanted the space factor. They don't want to do the work, but they just wanted the space factor. So I was like, oh, okay, I could see that. I guess, but in general, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't like sports. I was like, would I want to be a basketball player? Maybe a writer. Maybe a writer. I could see. I could see that. Yeah. And you might still actually be able to write because you could write your story. Absolutely. So, so that yeah. might actually um, come to fruition. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, what is one of your favorite productivity hacks? My favorite productivity hack. That you might I... want to share. You know, like people have all these different. I feel like it's overwhelming with all the options of all. The, oh, you can use. Um, what is this? Slack. You can use this app. You can use that app. It's overwhelming. It is. I am um, very diligent about my Google Calendar. It's so funny. That is the number one answer every time I ask everybody. Yes, we're all like, we live and die by these calendars. (laughs) I live and die by the calendar. Because before I had the Google Calendar, this was when I was working at Bloomingdale's, and I would make appointments. And I don't know where I was writing these appointments down. I guess I thought I would remember. Like, imagine that. (laughs) people would show up at the office like oh I have an appointment with Alex and I'm like what and I was like oh my (laughs) gosh I didn't write it down and so the Google calendar is a lifesaver because I'm also a woman of a certain age and I can't remember a thing so I if I get a request of any kind I put it on my Google calendar my Google calendar is on my phone I can like with my kids all of their stuff is on it's just is yeah, we have a family calendar as yep. well as my own because if it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to remember. And I'm one of the people, like, as soon as we're talking about it, I have to put it on the calendar now because as soon as I get distracted and do something else, I'm going to forget that I never added it to the calendar to begin with. Yes, I think ADHD or ADD is just part of the human condition, yes. it's part of the human cultural condition at this point. We have a million things, too many going. things going on. Yeah, right? and when you're talking about not just your schedule, but other people's schedule. And working with other people. Okay, well, what's the date that we both can do at the same time? <laughs> it's a lot. Okay. It is. You can go back and forth for a minute just trying to figure out when you can connect. So, yes. yeah, everything has to be on the calendar. And now we're going to wind it on down. So, my last uh, two questions 
Uh, one is what book, movie, or podcast would you recommend? And I only ask all three because everybody learns differently. So you might be like, oh, I love movies. So I'm going to give you a movie one, or I love podcasts, or I love books. If you have one for every category, great. But if you only have one for any of the categories, that works too. So I will say book. I actually have two. Can I give you two books? Of course. Okay. Um, first book is Think and Grow Rich, Change My Life. Okay. Um, I think it's important for anybody who aspires to anything. It's not just about rich in money. Yes. Um, but anything that you want, if you want to have, you know, figure out how to use your mind to control and direct your life, I recommend that book and I recommend reading it often. Um, and Purpose Driven Life, which is a devotional book and you read a section every day or listen to a section because I have it on Audible. And it just came up for me, that book just came up for me earlier this week that I want to go in January, start it over again and start, yeah. you know, every day, once a day, or, you know, every day. Yes. Listening to um, uh, a new page and kind of go through that book all over again. But I would say those two um would be books that I would recommend for anybody and re and I would recommend them repeatedly at different points in your life to to revisit those. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh what is coming up next for you or for SCAD and what you have planned um now that we're winding down the year and about to be in a new year. What are some of the things that you might can share about what's coming up next? Absolutely. So we are so busy at Scabfash and we have some amazing exhibitions coming on. I'm, I'm so excited for Atlanta and really anybody who travels to Atlanta to come and visit this museum. Um, right now we have two exhibitions up, The Blondes, and it's a retrospective of their 20-year career in fashion okay. design. So um, that exhibition is going to be up until January. And if you're not familiar with The Blondes, you can Google them or you can just yes. come here or you can do both. Um, and, and see their work. And then Ellen Von Unworth, who is a renowned fashion photographer, her exhibition is here. Um, actually, she's here until January and the blondes are up until February. Okay. What's coming up is uh, we have an exhibition coming up for Cristobal Balenciaga. Oh. Uh, yeah, that will open in January. So after um, Ellen Von Unworth leaves, we'll have this Balenciaga exhibition. And it's really cool because it's a look at Cristobal, the actual founder of the House of Balenciaga mm -hmm. and um, his work and and the history of uh, what he was doing at the time that that he was establishing the brand. So I think it's nice for people to see, you see these brand names all the time. You see all these amazing designers moving from one house to another, but um, you may not know kind of the history of where Balenciaga came from. And, you know, whenever you hear of a new designer coming online to uh, a fashion brand, they always say, oh, you know, so-and-so, they went to look at the archives and yes. they went to look at the history of the brand and they're pulling out these references from the history. That's what we're going to show with Balenciaga. We're going to show the roots of that brand. Um, I'm excited. Because I, yeah. I, I've loved coming to, well, first off, the museum is beautiful. I love the courtyard right outside the museum, overlooking the city. Yeah. I love all the exhibits I've came to see. Um, I'm sorry I missed the one about the supermodel. Um, oh, that I had a client that night and I just wasn't able to work it out. By the time I found out about it, I couldn't reschedule her. So um, yeah. I'm sorry I missed that because it looked like a good time. Plus, wasn't Law Roach there? He was, he was, and that was a surprise for us. And you know, that's I didn't know if y'all invited him or what. I was like, okay, scared. I see y'all. <laughs> he he stopped by, and you know, that's one thing that you know I intend to do here is 
make this the place for people who love fashion to do, who really love fashion, right? Yes. Who love the history and what's happening um, in contemporary fashion as an art form to come yeah. and to find each other um, yes. and to learn and to see. So yeah, he just happened to stop by and we were, we were glad to have him. And we're going to be doing a lot more of those types of programs in the evening and in the afternoons. Yes. Um, where, you know, you can come and see the exhibition, of course, anytime that we're open, but also yes. these opportunities for, you know, we had about 60 people or so at that event. And we've been doing um, screenings, talks, panel discussions. And on average, we have about 60 or 70 people. We've been selling those things out because people want to learn yes. and they also want to find their people. And yes. so that's so we're going to be doing a lot more programs like that um, over the next year. Yeah, because, I mean, he's a major uh, fashion um, professional. I didn't meet him, but I heard him speak when I went to Essence for Fashion Week a few years back. Yeah, the kindest, um, kindest person. He was so gracious and took so I many love pictures. It. And, yeah, and he just kind of popped in quietly. And then uh, when people realized he was in the room, started taking pictures. But, you know, like when we do openings of exhibitions, I'll say we do get um, celebrities here because of the relationship between fashion and pop culture, right? And how important it is to yes. the culture. So when we opened The Blondes, Missy Elliott was here. Um, Dominique wow. Jackson from Pose was here. Um, so, you know, it's some, I, I recommend that people join the museum so that you can know what's going on, so that you can come here for free. Our members are always invited to our opening events. Um, yeah. After the Balenciaga opening, we have another exhibition opening for an artist named Manish Aurora. Okay. who is from India, um, okay. and he's considered the jo John Galliano of India. I mean, the exhibition is going to be really spectacular. So that opens in ah, I'm excited. I'm excited for all that is coming up. And congrats again to you um, when I heard that you had got the position. I was like, oh, what a great – I mean, it couldn't happen to a better person. And I know we are more know each other, one, through Launchpad and seeing each other in the same fashion circles – but I was just really happy to hear and I'm glad that we were able to connect for us to have a conversation about what you've been doing and what you got going on. I'm really, really happy for you. Thank you. And likewise, Ivanya, I see you and what you're doing and, you know, how you're building your clientele. And um, it's, it's just remarkable and the podcast and everything. So congratulations to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Again, thanks for taking the time. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful